Amen. Aren't you glad to be in church this morning? Sunday morning is like my favorite morning. It is, man. I know you all have a lot of great mornings. You probably have awesome Monday mornings. I'm sure you do. But uh, Sunday morning is my favorite morning. Does anybody else love Sunday morning? It's where I get to see my brothers and sisters and do all that God has asked us to do. And then that motivates me, honestly, to have a great Monday morning. How many have good Monday mornings? Tuesday mornings, Thursday, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. What I do here prepares me for what I'm going to do all those other days. Let's open up our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. Today is going to be one of those real fun messages. So look at your neighbor and say, get your toesy-woesies ready. Because we might be stepping on some toes today, and that's okay, because we're going to be talking about truthfulness. Everybody say truthfulness. Thank you. We're going to be talking about truthfulness because it is important that we tell the truth. Now, we are in a sermon series on the book of Ephesians. This is the chapter that we're in, moving through the book consistently, verse by verse. Or if you're new with us, start reading the book of Ephesians once a week, one chapter a day. You can do it in six days or just 20, 30 minutes in one day, audio Bible. You can knock it out. What we're going to learn today is about taking off the falsehood, putting on truthfulness. If you remember last week, what we learned was that it's important to understand about taking off and putting on. We're taking off the old and putting on the new. And the new self was created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. You don't have to get together and sew your new self with somebody that's good at making garments or something. This is an illustration of you getting spiritually what only God can give you. And so God has a new self. Everybody say, God has a new self just for me. Amen. Taylor fit just for you. Here's the whole passage. We've been reading it together. I hope you're not bored of it. We only got about 15 more times, okay, of reading this, but it's a powerful passage. Let's put on our listening ears, hear what Paul is saying to us. Chapter 4, verse 17 of Ephesians. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. So Paul takes the transition, as we've learned in a prior lesson, Paul takes the transition from talking about all the heavenly-minded things to now describing what it means to live like a Christian. His transition is in that statement where he says, I tell you this. I've told you all of these things right here, that you are blessed with Christ, that I've been praying for you, that you're alive in Jesus, that there's a new humanity coming with Jew and Gentile in Christ. He prayed that they would know God's love. He taught them the creed of the disciples, the proper doctrine, and then he said there's ministry that we are to be done, uh, that that ministry is to be done. But here he turns it to the earthly good, so we can be heavenly minded that we're so earthly good. And he turns it here by giving us the instruction on Christian living, and he says, I tell you this, and I insist on it. Somebody say, I insist. Look at your neighbor and say, no, 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 I insist. You see, I insist on this in the Lord. You can't just turn down another portion of ejuelas empanadas. No, 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 I insist. You're my guest. You must eat this. I used to bring my guest over to my mother-in-law's house, and I would tell them, "You, she's Greek, you are going to eat until you puke, okay? So just get ready. She will insist, and you will not be able to tell Yahya no. Yahya does not know the word no and what it means. I insist. You're taking this. You're doing this. So I tell you this and insist on in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. And then what is the connection? How is, how is it the Gentiles live so wrong? Because they're futile in their thinking. Futility is like trying to catch yourself falling in the air from a plane with the air. 
That's futile, right? You can't stop it from coming. And so you cannot expect to live like a Christian if your mind is not right. Your mind must be right. And then he goes on. He says they are darkened in their understanding, and they're separated from the life of God. See, everybody's not a Christian. Everybody's not going to heaven. Why are they darkened? Why are they separated? Because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. They've lost all sensitivity. See, they're not sensitive to the things you're sensitive to in your conscience. You cuss out somebody as a Christian, you feel bad. You get sensitive to your conscience. How many have cussed since being a Christian? Be honest. Come on, don't lie in church. And you were sensitive to it. It it didn't feel right. It didn't feel like it did the week before, the month before, the year before. But they lost all sensitivity. That's why when you look at the world today and you say, man, how could they do that? How could someone kill an unborn child in the womb? How could a a mother do that? They've lost the sensitivity. They're not sensitive. And because of that, they've given themselves over to indulge in every kind of impurity and of greed. Verse 20, that, however, this kind of stinking thinking, this kind of ignorance, this kind of dullness of your senses, this greed, this impurity is not the way of life you learned when you were taught about Christ, when you were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. How many know better? Now, there's just some people who just don't know no better. They just don't know no better, you know? And you got to forgive them because they don't know any better, right? But how many of you know you know better? You've been taught differently by either your parents because they knew the Bible or coming to church, by a pastor, by a leader, a discipler. We know better. Like the people of Ephesus, we can say, I know better. And notice what he says here. We know about the truth that is in Jesus. Everybody say the truth. See, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except by him. And there is no truth that is true other than it being true because Jesus is true. So all truth is truth because Jesus is truth. All scientific truth is truth because Jesus is truth. All mathematic truth is true because Jesus is true. Do you get how that works? And all lies find their way back to the father of lies, the devil. So make it real simple. Love Jesus, hate the devil. Amen? Follow truth, hate the lies. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Now he says what we were talking about last week. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. How many have a former way of life? How many know we were not born Christians, but we needed to be born again Christians? We all have sin because of the nature we got from Adam and Eve. So no one has to teach, listen, no one has to teach my three-year-old Zoe how to lie about whether or not she took gum out of Bethany's purse. Nobody taught my daughter to lie, but she knows how to take the gum out, and then when I come to check on her to run away from me, throw it in the garbage, and spend the next 20 minutes lying to me until I literally trace every step she took, and then I see a garbage can, and I go, okay, this is probably a part of the plan here, and I look in it, and there's the pack of gum. Who taught my daughter to do that? Nobody. Because of sin, we are set to default to sin. Because of Adam and Eve, we're born with the curse of sin. That's why we die. We all have sin's curse upon us, and we all have the tendency to sin, a broken compass. Now, some of us don't all sin like Hitler. That is true. Some of us all don't sin in the same ways, but we've all sinned. And what the key is to know about your old self and the reason why you need to take it off is because it is corrupted by its deceitful desires. Does everybody see that? 
You deceive yourself. Is deception true or false? So we're talking about telling the truth today, right? And God tells the truth. Jesus is the truth. But guess what? We tell lies. And the loudest lies and the longest standing lies and the most amount of lies we tell are ourselves. The loudest lies you tell yourself. The longest lies you'll keep repeating to your the uh, longest lies you'll keep repeating are to yourself. And the lies that you will stack up one upon another will be to yourself. And one of the greatest lies that you can believe as a human is that you can save yourself. You'll think, you know, because I've done some things in the world, you know, I've gotten an education, I've figured out some science, I've watched Bill Nye, the science guy, since I was a kid, and I understand these things. Wow, you know, I must be in control of this thing called life. I probably can make myself go to heaven when I die too. Why not? We've sent a man to the moon. When my spirit dies, I'll just will myself and wish myself to heaven. We deceive ourselves. Because we don't want to look at ourselves in the mirror and say, I am my worst enemy. I have lied, stolen, and cheated even without the devil's help. I've done it myself, and I've broken more than one command. And one command being broken is worthy of hell. And I've broken more than just one command, even like Zoe, ones we don't even remember when we were three and four years old. Hello, somebody. So Jesus gives us a new self, says, take off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Notice, true righteousness and holiness. What marks the godly living? To be like God literally is the word godly. So we are supposed to be godly. We're supposed to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So that means if there is a true, then there could be a false. There could be a false righteousness. There could be a false holiness. What is a false holiness? When they tell women they can't cut their hair or women can't wear pants or you can't eat meat on Friday. This is a false righteousness or you can only confess your sin to a priest. Are you listening to me? Or on Ash Wednesday, you have to go get ashes put over your head. That's what they did in New Orleans after Mardi Gras. We went to the outreach. You could see ashes. See, that's a false righteousness. That's a false holiness. Muslims tell you you can't eat lechon. That's a false righteousness. Come on. Can I hear an amen? People tell you these things, you know, this is false. Only what is true is in the word of God applicable to you today in the New Testament. Now watch where our scripture comes from. Therefore, each one of you must put off falsehood. Why? Because we've taken off the old, we put on the new. What's one of the first thing that goes when you take off the old and put on a new you? What's the one, the first thing that goes is you telling lies. Now you're ready to look yourself in the mirror and be honest. Now you're ready to look at your fellow man and be honest. Now you're ready to look at the world because if God knows who you are, you're ready to tell the world who you are. You have nothing to hide. Therefore, each one of you, put off falsehood. You must do it. Speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. And then he begins to list all of these other things that we'll go over in the next weeks. Let me go through them now. In your anger, do not sin. That's what we'll talk about next week. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. 
Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what's helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, whom you were sealed with until the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Amen? No chapters and verses in the original letter. Just think of it as one message on your Facebook feed. It's like, boom, I'm reading this. I'm catching all that Paul is saying here. Follow God's example. Whose example? God's example. Thank you. Therefore, as dearly loved children, walk in the way of love. Just as Christ loved us, gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality, any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place. How many know those things are out of place? We shouldn't laugh at dirty jokes. But rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure. Look at your neighbor and say, you can be sure of this. Thank you. No immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. Because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. Is God's judgment coming? Yes. Are people going to try to deceive you that God's judgment is not coming? Like right now, you think if I had Oprah Winfrey up here right now, she's going to say God's judgment's coming upon me because I'm immoral. I live with a man that I'm not married to. I support homosexuality. You you think she's going to come up here and say, I understand the wrath of God is on me. When I face God on judgment day, I'll be sentenced to an eternal lake of fire. Do you think Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton politicians are going to say, I've had affairs, I've lied, I've stolen from the people. You think they're going to come here and say to you, I know the wrath of God is on me. What are they going to do? They're going to deceive you. They're going to say, no, 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 God's not really like that. We're all sinners after all, and some of us do, you know, do some things that God doesn't like, but it's okay. And then, you know, they're going to say, you know, you've done your bad, I've done mine, I've slept with Stedman, you've told a lie. Hey, we all get to go to heaven if there is one, right? But the Bible says, don't let anybody deceive you. Don't let them deceive you with their empty words. Just like their thinking is futile, trying to grab air as they're falling out of the plane to damnation. Think of them falling into hell's pit, and nothing can save them but the solid rock, the solid ground of Christ. They're holding on to air. That's what their futile thoughts are like. That's the same thing with their, their words are like. Their words are just empty. If Donald Trump does not repent of his, his behavior towards women and his immorality, he will bust hell wide open. The Bible says, let there not even be a hint among you. If Hillary Clinton does not repent of her deception and her lies and her cover-ups and her love of abortion and homosexuality, she will bust hell wide open. If Oprah Winfrey, if anybody you know, including my grandmother, does not repent of their impurity, their lies, their immorality, they will suffer God's wrath. Let no one deceive you. And don't be partners with them. So be careful who you go into business with because if they don't honor your God, they can lie and cheat against you. Be careful who you start a relationship with because if they're not a Christian, they can turn against you. They can turn their children against you. Are you listening to me? Be careful who you go to partner with. The Bible says you once were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. How many of you are children of the light? Amen. For the fruit of the light, the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Aren't you glad you came to church today? You're finding out what pleases the Lord. Wait till I begin to tell you some things about truth. You're going to find out real quick if you've been telling lies. Aren't you glad you came to find out? 
Oh, yeah, some things will be exposed. Some things maybe you have overlooked. But I think God will do it for your benefit if you'll take here serious what this pastor has to say to you from the Word of God. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. When we get to this passage, you'll understand why I have a call to name names in our church, because the Bible says expose them. I am to expose those who are deceiving you and asking you to go into darkness. It is my job to do that. Do you understand? They, they're not private citizens. They, I do not expose private people from the church. I won't say, Bob, you know, Bob who was here last week, Bob's causing trouble. We'll only do that literally if Bob has caused so much trouble, we have to say, Bob is crazy, watch out for him. Uh, we've only done that like a handful of times in 12 years. But listen, well, listen, I'll name public figures who are deceiving you because I want you to know that they're in darkness. And then don't take my word for it because I'm a public figure. I could be telling a lie, right? You go back to the Word of God and you check it out. You research if whether or not they're teaching you the truth about Jesus Christ. Do the research on Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton, and uh, uh, Oprah Winfrey, the ones I just mentioned here, or Steve Jobs. I always use him as an example of someone who was rich and powerful, creative, but yet had darkness in him. See, if they do not repent, the example they're setting before you is a false example, and it needs to be exposed. Do we love them? Do we pray for them? Absolutely. I pray for each one of their repentance. Amen? It is shameful to even mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible. How many know when you began coming to church reading your Bible, it became visible? It's like, oh, that's obvious. I mean, of course, you can't sleep with a man that you're not married to. Of course, you can't have adulterous affairs. Of course, you can't lie and cheat and steal and call yourself a Christian and support abortion. You can't do that. It's not right. I'll even just say this. I'll even tip my hat to the Catholics because every now and then they get something right too, right? I mean, they believe in the Trinity and, and uh, uh, abortion being a sin. I'll tip my hat to Catholic bishops because they wrote down the names of the Democrats who supported partial birth abortion, and some of the bishops said, we are not giving them communion anymore, and they should go one step further and kick them out of the church. If you are in this church and you support a partial birth abortion, you cannot be a member, a disciple in this church. You must repent. You can attend, but you cannot consider yourself a part of this church. Do you understand? That is sin. And I thank God that people stand up against this sin. It's one thing to sin and say, God, forgive me. It's another thing to be proud of it and try to make it legal. Partial birth abortion means that all of these pregnant women right here can still murder their children, all of them, including uh, right now Christina. Are you listening to me? Isn't that sad? And so that's why we expose them. But how many know when you come to church, it just becomes obvious? How many of those, like, let's just stay on the abortion thing, because that's where I'm at. How many before you were saved, abortion wasn't really on your mind? I remember going uh, as a, see, I was brought up in church, but I remember going skateboarding as a sinner, and I was seeing all my friends actually standing on the side of the road with signs, because I recognized them, because we were stuck in traffic as a parade, and pro-life parade stopped traffic, and I started recognizing my friends were there with the church doing pro-life. You know what I did? I pulled down my pants and stuck my rear out the window and flicked them all off while I was mooning them like this. That's what I did. God is my witness. That's what it was like until a few moments after I gave my heart to Christ. And then I realized within moments that is a child, and I was a wicked man to ever do that. How many, things, how many know things become obvious in the light? But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that's illuminated becomes a light. That's why the Bible says you're a light, right? Jesus says you're the light of the world. Look at verse 14. That's why it said, wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to 
to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. How many love to sing and give thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ? And that's why the name of our church is Metro Praise International for the Nations. We're praising His name. Amen. Here are those messages that we, we are going through and will continue to go through. If you're keeping track, we're on number three, take off the falsehood and put on the truth. Number four, we'll talk about anger. And five, all the way on down, 17 messages from that passage. How many believe we should tell the truth? If you had to make a choice right now between falsehood and truthfulness, how many would truth, choose falsehood? How many would literally say right now, I wish more people would tell me lies? I, ju I just wish when I went to the bank, they would tell me lies about what's in my bank account. I wish that I went to the gym, they would tell me lies about what the scale says. I wish that when I went to the doctor, they would tell me lies about whatever sickness I have. I wish that my loved one would tell me lies about them having an affair, my children lies about where they are. I just wish the politicians would lie to me more. How many just wish the world would have just more lies? You're just so hungry for it. You're just thirsty for lies. No, nobody says that. Not one person. If you had your way right now and you could push a button that makes everybody tell the truth, some movies are based off of this, where now they have to tell the truth all the time. How many of you, if you could push a button and everybody would tell the truth, never tell you a lie, you would push it just like this. You would say, I want it right now. I want the truth. Only two of you? What's wrong with you? You don't want the truth? Come on, now you're here today? How many, if you could push a button and everybody tells the truth, would want it? You would want the husband to always tell you the truth. Your wife always tell you the truth. Children always tell you the truth. Politicians always tell you the truth. Just everybody tell you the truth. You can deal with it even if you don't like it, but just tell me the truth. That's the ideal for the Christian. The ideal is we always tell the truth. We do not lie. That's supposed to be the mark of a Christian. We never lie. That's what it says. Put off falsehood. Speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Let's read this together on the count of three. One, two, three. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Now, you think I could just say, it's one of the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not lie. We read it today. Let's just get the band back up and let's go home, right? I mean, it's obvious. We're not supposed to lie. You get it? Everybody here knows what a lie is. But I want you to think about how much God hates lies. Look at what Revelation 21, verses 7 and onward says. End of the book. Everybody go, ooh. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magical arts, the idolaters, and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. You mean liars go to the same place that the vile go to? Absolutely. How much does God hate it? Look at what he says. Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. There are six things, yes, even seven that are detestable. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. Do you know that right here, four of the seven all have to do with dishonesty? A lying tongue, a heart that devises wicked schemes. You know the one who's devising to rob a bank is going to be telling a whole lot of lies. Are you listening? A false witness, and then someone who stirs up conflict in the community. How do you do that except by lying and slandering and gossiping? 
Four out of the seven things God hates has to do with lying. Proverbs 11.3, it's quiet in this Presbyterian church today. It's quiet. Presbyterians, huh? Come on, Pentecostals, can I get an amen? You can say, oh my, oh me, but it's better if you say amen. Proverbs 11.3, the integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. Liars will not get away with their lies. It may be for a time they look like they have gotten away with it, but in the end, the truth will be exposed. The integrists, those who keep their word, are upright, and it guides them through every tough decision. It guides them. Somebody say, integrity will guide me. Thank you. Now, some people bring up, well, what about in times of war? Do we tell our enemies, hey, we're about ready to attack you? Or, you know, in business, do we have to always tell our game plan to the competition? No, there are times where you guard your lips and do not always share what you have to know with someone else, but you don't do it in the fashion of a lie. Those who guard, Proverbs 13.3 says, those who guard their lips preserve their lives, but those who speak rashly will come to ruin. We have to guard our truth. Yes, there are times we have to do that, but we do not lie. Now, once in the Bible, in the time of war, they lied. Rahab lied, and I believe God was gracious to her because in the time of war, they could lie to protect the innocent. But you're not in a time of war, and in your business relationships, I don't want to teach you to lie to your competition or to the people you're, you're in business with, but you can learn to guard truth. You can guard it. You don't have to ever, always tell everybody everything at that moment, but you don't lie. Are you listening? And then the next thing is the fear of man, Proverbs 29, 25, will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Many people lie because they want to impress others. They're afraid of their parents, so they lie. I wish as a child I would have told my parents this straight up. I'm doing drugs. I'm hanging out with these people so that they could at least know where I was coming from. Don't fear man. God sees what you're doing. Even tell people the sins that you have. Tell them the truth about what you feel about them because it's better for you to be honest with people than to tell lies. You'll only dig a hole deeper. Now, let me give you some examples. Everybody say it's tight, but it's right. Let me give you some examples of where we as Metro Praise International need to tell the truth. Now, I prayed about this, okay? So don't get mad at me. You take it up with my boss, all right? I prayed about this and said, Lord, how do I apply the message of truthfulness to the church that I pastor? What are some areas that I know every single person will walk out if you're going, yep, I've probably told a lie like this before, and I need to make it right, where it challenges them to tell the truth. Here are the categories. Number one, put off lying on your job to customers, bosses, or employees on government documents and to the police. Speak the truth. You're filling out your taxes. Do not claim children that are, that are not yours. You're here illegally. Do not use a Social Security that is not your Social Security number. The police ask you, do you know that you were going 85 and a 55? You looked at that speedometer. If you know, you say, yes, sir, I do know. Have mercy on me, police officer. Don't lie to your job. I'm sick. I can't come in. Yes, I did that when you really didn't. Are you listening? Don't lie to your customers. Oh, yes, this 2005 minivan is awesome. This has 100,000 miles, but they're only, city, uh, only country miles driven by an old woman. You know, you know very well what that vehicle has been through. It used to be a delivery vehicle. It used to be owned by an Uber employee. Come on, somebody. Don't tell lies. There's no reason to ever lie. 
There's no reason to lie in the world that you're in. Like I said, you're not today doing a sting, and you're not in the military. And even then, they need to be sure that they're doing it in such a way that honors God if they're hiding back some of the truth. But, my friends, we need to be honest. I'll be be transparent with you today. The last bold-faced lie I told was as a pastor. I told a bold-faced lie. I have not told a lie like this since being saved. This has been the only time I can, I'm not lying to you. They say on average the, the person tells one or two lies a day. On average, most people can't go 10 minutes without telling a lie in a conversation. But listen to me. I have not lied except once in being a Christian. There has been times where I have probably been polite and not told the truth, but now I have stopped doing that, okay? You know, oh, I love this. This is so good, but you really don't mean it, but you're trying to be polite. We'll talk about that in just a moment, but I'm talking about a bold-faced lie. I uh, went to Alabama to go buy my first uh, 44-passenger bus, and I said, what I'm going to do is go buy the bus, bring it back into New Orleans, and then get the CDL license, the commercial driver's license, and then drive it back to the church. So I bring a homeless guy with me, uh, and my friend drives me there. He drops us off. I take the homeless guy with me because I brought in over 30 homeless people into my house to help them. Some of you know this story. And I bring him in to the, uh, the bus with me. I drive it all the way to the, uh, the DMV to get the license. They say, okay, you're here to get your license. I say, yes. And I, and I go and take the test. They come back, and they say, do you even know what you're doing. You failed this thing miserably. You only got like two or three of these things correct. And then literally, she peered, the the one who gave me the test peered right out the window, and she goes, and you didn't drive that here, did you? And I go, no, no, I didn't drive. This is my bold-faced lie as a pastor. I said, no, I didn't drive that there. She said, good, because I'm going to watch you not drive it out of here then. So I literally go into the bus, go into the bus, homeless one-eyed Willie is there, the guy I picked up from the street. And I'm like, I'm like, listen, Willie, you got to drive this bus out of this parking lot. Pastor, what you talking about? I don't even got a license. No, listen, Willie, you're going to get in the driver's seat. You're going to drive it right down the road, and then we're going to switch. I'm telling you, I told Willie this. Pastor, I'm going to get in trouble for this. Willie, if you want to sleep in my house tonight, you're going to drive the bus down the road. I literally made homeless Willie drive the bus. Pastor, you, you're just so crazy, Pastor. Why are you making me do this, Pastor? I don't even know I have a license, Pastor. Come on now. We all going to jail, Pastor. That is what my life was like that day. And I had to repent. I had to repent to the Lord for lying. This was not Rahab trying to save the spies. This was me making an excuse because I did not want to have to pay now my friends who were bus drivers to come all the way out there and drive it back to the church. You see what that situation did to my my integrity? It tested me, didn't it? It tested whether or not I would be truthful to, to suffer a loss to keep my integrity or whether I would take the easy way out. The Bible says that, that David said, people who have integrity will keep it even to their own harm. Even when it hurts them, they'll still tell the truth. Tell the truth in all that you do with the government and documents with bosses, employees. Another thing that we need to do is put off lying to others, especially our children, about superstitions like the chipolabla. I know I said it wrong, but what is his name? What? Chupacabra. We need to stop telling our children about the chupacabra. If you don't do your homework, the chupacabra is going to come and get you. You know what I'm talking about. If you don't go to bed, right, these are the things that are going to happen to you. And, and things like Santa Claus. 
Yeah, stepping on some toes. Oh, me, oh, my. Say amen. Come on. The tooth fairy and the Easter bunny speak the truth. Why? Faith belongs to children. It's a gift God gave them. That is not yours to mess with. If you start messing with them about make-believe things, how are they going to know the difference between you telling the tooth fairy and Moses split the Red Sea? The gift of faith was given to them to trust you that there was a God who put all of this in motion and could do supernatural things. And if you don't think it matters, me as an 18-year-old kid arguing with my mom the day I got saved, one of the reasons why I didn't get saved is I said, Jesus to me is like Santa Claus and the Tooth Fairy and the Easter Bunny. I use that as an argument to resist God. I've seen it many, many times. People then go to college. They learn about evolution, all the science, and now they just think Santa Claus and Jesus must be the same kind of fiction my parents taught me. Whatever you teach them, teach them the truth. Amen? The next thing, and this is where we go to uh, cultural sensitivities, being kind to each other, I've learned that is a lie, and now I have changed. This was something I did quite often as a Christian. You know, somebody fed me something. Oh, it's good. You know, you want to be nice, you know. But I began to realize not only in restaurants and with people, it's best when you tell them the truth. Because restaurants learn from your opinions about whether or not they're doing things right. Your friends and family can learn about your likes and dislikes. I remember being um, at Ishmael's house. We were uh, in um, Chilapa, Nayarit, Mexico, and we were there in this beautiful village. It was just picturesque, you know, mountains in the background, wild animals, horses just trotting down the street, chickens in the backyard. And uh, one day I got up before him, and his mom was making brains and tongue tacos. I don't know why that was for breakfast, but that was what was on the menu. And so I got up, and I'm just eating whatever, you know, whatever huela put on the table, and I'm eating it, and I am not enjoying it. It is not anything that I like, but I'm telling her I like it, right? Ishmael comes out, and he takes one look at it. He says, oh, man, I don't eat that stuff. Mom, make me this, this, and this. And then his mom makes whatever she asks, and I'm like, he asked for it. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I didn't know it worked like that. Like, I'm eating this nasty stuff. No offense. To me, it's nasty. I'm sure I eat nasty stuff to you that you don't like. We eat crawfish in New Orleans. We take the little, the little mud bug, split it in half, suck the head, and then we eat out the tail, right? So that may be gross to some of y'all. I literally looked at him, and I'm like, why am I eating this? He's like, you don't have to. You know, but see, but see that was the thing. I thought I would be so respectful that I actually did something that was not what she was ever asking. Another true story, honest to God truth, when I brought over one of my Indian friends, I literally said to him, my, my mother-in-law is going to force you to eat stuff, but you do have to tell her when you're done. He was from India. He didn't eat a lot of American food. He literally, at my mother-in-law's house, puked in his hands at the table because his stomach couldn't handle any more food. He should have said, stop, right? He should have said, I can't eat anymore. We need to be honest about food. We need to be honest, listen, husbands, with your wife and their clothes, and do I look fat in this? If you are willing to ask us, you've got to have an answer that's both positive and negative. It's got to be acceptable to you. If you don't want it, then don't ask me for it. So once again, can I tell the truth in a certain way? Does the truth mean I have to be mean? No, I can say, honey, I prefer the other one. I prefer the other dress. But then if she says, well, now why don't you like this dress? It to make me look fat. And then if I have to say yes, it does make you look fat because you asked me. Y'all even followed me here. It got so quiet. I have to say yes. 
Does this make me look fat? Tell me. If I don't want the answer, then don't, I shouldn't ask the question. And then when people give you ideas, you know, well, I'm thinking about doing this, this, and this, that doesn't mean you have to squash their ideas, but they ask you, what do you think about this? Tell them your honest answer. I think that's crazy, but I'm not you. You pray about it. You make your decision, right? Well, what do you think about this boyfriend that I have now? I don't really like him or the girlfriend. I don't like her, him or her. They're not, they don't get along with me. I'm not going to be nosy. I won't interfere with your relationship. But if you ask me, I don't think you all are good together. Now I'll support you. I'll pray for you. Because remember, it doesn't mean we become nosy and violate these other things of the Bible. It doesn't mean become, we become angry or bitter or slanderous. No, it's just people ask us about ideas or questions. We tell them the honest truth. Can I hear an amen? What about putting off lies when we're telling stories to other people and sharing our accomplishments? In church, we actually call this evangelistically speaking. How many got saved last night? Oh, about 20 to 30. And it's like, no, really, it's like five. How many came to church this morning? About 200, and there's only 100. We call this evangelistically speaking. And that's a lie. That's a lie. That's why when I talk to people about how many come to our church, I just show them the numbers. Here's how many came. Last week, 306 people came. Let's give it up for Jesus. Amen? That's not a lie. That's 306. Today, I'll be happy if there's 250. That's our average. We average here about 110 to 125 in the first to about 120 to 150 in the second. Boom. I'm happy with that. No reason to lie. No reason to lie about your accomplishments. How many have friends that just go on and on and on, and you know half the stuff they're talking about is lying? Come on. You all get quiet in church. Come on. Just they lie, and you're just like, there's no reason to lie. I have a friend that pastors a church in this city, and he says this number on the news, wherever he goes, and I actually called up their office, and I said, why are you telling people you have this many? You can't even fit that many in your sanctuary. And you say you got four services, four times your number. You're still half off. You're not even close to what you're saying. Be proud. Listen, don't say you have 20,000 when you really have eight because eight is awesome. Be happy with eight. Don't go around telling everybody you got 20,000. And I know these people. And I literally called up. Don't even get me to tell you the name. I won't tell you the name. But I called them up because I know them. I preached for them. And I just said, I'm hearing you guys, you know, going around the city, telling people this stuff. Why are you all doing that? There's no reason for that. Put off lying in church. Somebody say, oh, snap. Why people lie in church, I'll never know. Be honest about who you are in church, about your faithfulness to God's commands and your commitment to the ministry. When you start our discipleship program, we're going to ask you to live according to God's commands. When you meet with your accountability partner and you're breaking God's commands, tell them, I'm breaking God's commands. Why would you lie to that person if they're there to help you and pray for you? That is literally like you lying to your trainer. You're going there to be trained. You're going there to lose weight. Why are you going to lie about that triple-decker chocolate cake you had last night? Just tell them, I ate a triple decker cake before I came here last night. You know, what's the reason to lie? Don't fear man, fear God. Amen? Come on, somebody say amen. How about put off lying when talking about others? Oh, man, so-and-so did me like this. They did this. My mom was like this. My sister was like this. My boss was like this. Don't tell lies. Just tell the truth. If you had a tough childhood, tell your tough childhood. I believe it. I have no reason to doubt you. But there's no reason to lie either. 
If you don't have a good boss, okay, tell the truth. Pray for you. We'll pray for you to have a better relationship with a boss that doesn't know what he or she is doing. But don't lie about somebody. Tell the truth. When people leave the church, I see them lie about me. And the thing is, I don't go on the same level they do. So it's like they put it on Facebook, and I'm like, man, I could blow you up so bad right now. But I don't do it because I'm above that. Amen? How many are going to live above that? But, you know, people lie, and there's just no reason to do it. Tell the truth when talking about others, especially if you disagree with them. When, when you are now in a situation where there's a conflict, just instantly ask the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, help me tell the truth about this situation. Help me not add one thing to it. I don't need to add one thing to it. Just help me tell the truth. And it's okay to be in conflict, folks. The Bible says he'll bring peace. Blessed are the peacemakers. But there's never a reason to lie about the conflict. And then lastly, put off lying to God. Come on. Woo. How many of us lie to God? Make promises to him we don't keep. Put off lying to God and others when you have no intention of doing what you said you will do. Speak the truth. I am so tired of people in the church making promises to me on behalf of what they're going to do for God. It's like, man, I'm from Missouri, the show me state. Just show me. Well, I'm going to come here every week, Pastor. I'm going to do this and that. Man, it's like the moment you say that, I'm just like, where is the lightning coming here? man? Because it's like you just, I don't think you fear God. I feel like you're taking it not the way it should be done. If you really want to, quote, unquote, be an awesome disciple, just do it. Show your one-on-one or you're going to do it. Return their phone calls. Don't dip out and make them have to search for you and find you. And I see this happen all the time in businesses. You know, hey, man, I'm going to call you. I'm gonna call, and they never call each other. Yeah, let's get together and collab on this. You know, and, and it's just a bunch of pride is what it is. Don't be like that. You're in the business world and somebody that's, quote, unquote, under you, Ask for your help. Don't blow them off. Either say legitimately, I'm sorry, I cannot help you. Maybe my assistant can. Maybe one of my other companies can. Maybe one of these other leaders I have can. Be legit with them. Or if you say to them, I'm going to help you, return their call. Set up that meeting. Oh, let's do lunch. Do lunch with them. Don't lie. Tell the truth. Do what you say you're going to do. I am known, just to let you guys know, because many of you have uh, joined our church in the, in the last few years, I am known in this community in Chicago as being a person of integrity. You talk to other pastors, they will tell you, this pastor keeps his word. This man does what he says he is going to do. I want that to be your reputation. Can I hear an amen? Before we go, I want to ask you that question that they make people swear upon the Bible and say, we don't believe in swearing in the, in the church. The Bible says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Band and altar workers, would you come, please? Because I want to ask you this, and this is the way it should be asked before every court case. Do you solemnly commit to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? If you want to do that, I'm going to ask you in just a moment to stand to your feet and proclaim to God, make me a truth teller. But before you do, I want you to bow your head and close your eyes and ask the Lord to expose any lies in your heart right now. And if you have lied, to ask the Lord to forgive you.
Come on, are you praying? Are you asking the Lord today to expose any lies in your heart? Before we go, I want you to do that. I want you to ask the Lord to expose any lies that you've told. Ask Him to forgive you and to have you tell the whole truth, nothing but the truth. So help you, God. Lord, show us our hearts. Show us if there's been a dishonesty in our lives. We want to be truth tellers. We want to be those who live according to our integrity, righteousness, and holiness that you've given us. In the name of Jesus. Not for me to hear or your neighbor, but as a declaration. If that's going to be you, would you stand to your feet and as you do, say, Lord, help me to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Just stand up and say it as a form of worship, saying that you're going to live for God in truthfulness. You're going to put off falsehood. I'm going to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help me, God. We're going to be a culture of truth-tellers. We're going to be a culture of those who are honest, those who are respectable, from the pulpit to the pew, oh God. May we be trustworthy people of integrity. In the name of Jesus, now begin to pray because you've committed to it. Now begin to pray for the government, for the police, for the teachers, the universities, for the businesses, for the community, your family, to be filled with truth. Come on, we don't have a magic button to push, but we can pray that they'll make the same commitment we did. I pray for Donald Trump to be a truthful president, for the Congress to be truthful in the Senate and all that they do. I pray for our governors, our mayor, Rahm Emanuel, I pray for our teachers. I pray for our police department. I pray for our military, for honesty, for integrity, in our families, on our jobs. People to tell the truth, to be honest, to take off falsehood, and to put on truthfulness. In Jesus' name, if that's you, would you give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Come on, come on, let's give it up for Jesus, who never told a lie. That's the example we're going to follow in Jesus' name. And would you look up at me, please, before we go? If you want to get some of those lies off your chest, come up and confess them to another brother, and they'll pray for you. That's literally what the Bible says. Confess your sins one to another, because sometimes you just got to get it off your chest and seek advice about how to make it right, because maybe you've got to go talk to somebody about this, right? Maybe you've got to go literally make something right. Come up confess and let us pray for you and then if you have any need today sick in your body or if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit speaking in other tongues or maybe you came here as a non-Christian and you would like Jesus to come into your heart forgive you of your sins that's why they're always up here amen let's give it up for Jesus one more time God bless you you are dismissed slap your neighbor high five and say tell the truth God bless you you may have a Oh, you may be dismissed. Have a great day. We'll see you at Life Groups. Those who want prayer, come on up. Nobody's going to judge you. We love you.